Uh, if you could turn with me in your Bibles, uh, we're in the very back of the Bible as we continue our sermon series, Faithful Witness. What does it mean to, for us to be a church? It's a faithful witness to our great God and to our community around us. We're going to jump into uh, the, the letter of 1 John. We are, we are in chapter 2 this week. Well, when I was four years old, I decided to go on a walk with my dog, Barney. Now, you got to understand that I grew up in the era of that you would let your dog out the door, and out he went. And who knows where he was going to go, because in those days, we didn't have the fences we have these days. There were no leash laws, and as your dog went out, you could probably hear him say, maybe hearing, thinking of William Wallace, freedom, right? I mean, so there they went. And I always want to know, where, where did Barney go? I mean, you know, he just went out the door, and who knows where he went. Uh, and eventually he'd come back around. Anybody else remember those times with your dogs? Okay, I got some folks raising their hand or nodding, saying, yeah, I do. So I went out. Uh, I want to know where Barney went. So I had my ukulele with me at four, uh, an instrument I never learned how to play. But anyway, uh, I had that. I had my dog, Barney, and we just went out for a walk, much to my mom's chagrin. So pretty soon, she couldn't find me. Um, she would call the police uh, who found Barney and me, ukulele and all, uh, some many streets uh, away from the home that we lived in. And can you imagine a better day than that? I mean, think about that day. I went walking with my dog. I had my ukulele, and I got to ride in a cop car. I mean, is that not like a great day right there? I mean, it's hard to beat that. But my mom would ask in tears, and, and you know, she, those points in parenting where you don't know, do I spank them? Do I hug them? I mean, do I yell at them? Do I cry? I mean, she thought I was gone, and here I am back. Uh, so she asked me, what are you doing? And you ask a four-year-old what you're doing? I said, I just went a walking with Barney. I just went a walking with Barney, wanted to see where he goes. Aren't little boys designed to go for walks with dogs? I mean... Isn't that all about adventure? Well, the Bible will tell us that God has created us for something more than just walking with dogs, although that is one of the greatest joys in life, that God would create us in his image. The Bible starts off with says, God in his grace created you and me, male and female, in his image. Watch this, to have fellowship with God, to know and love God, to be known and loved by God. But God created us in his image to walk with God. And it would say, even the very beginning, in the cool of the evening, God would walk with Adam. Oh, man, what was that like? I mean, in the cool of the evening, and paradise was right there. That is what God had created us to do. No love, walk with God. But sin quickly entered the story, and that fellowship was broken. Our fellowship with God and our fellowship with one another because of sin, we were no longer uh, safe with God. We didn't think. We, what did we do? We hid from God. We no longer had fellowship with God. Scripture tells us now because of sin, we actually, by nature, are in enmity with God. Wow, what an incredible break. But sin also separated us from one another. The story says that Adam and Eve, uh, the, our, our first parents who sinned, what happened when they sinned? They realized something that they didn't realize before. Uh-oh. What did they realize? They were naked. Now, they were naked beforehand, but now all of a sudden being naked was no longer safe. 
It was no longer safe to see each other that way, and so what did they do? They sewed together some fig leaves to hide from each other, to cover up themselves and hide from each other. You see, that's what sin does. Sin breaks our fellowship with God. Sin breaks our fellowship with one another. We lost that fellowship. And I tell you, ever since we lost that fellowship with God, what have we done? We've tried to fill our lives with that fellowship, with anything we can find. Maybe the song, we've looked for love in all the wrong places, right? All of our addictions, all, all of the things that we pursue that are not healthy, um, all those things is because of that broken relationship with God. It was once said, I, I can't remember who, who said it, uh, but it says, everyone who knocks on the door of a prostitute is seeking God. What does that mean? Well, we, we lost fellowship with God. We, we're, we're lonely. We're broken. We're going to try to fill it one way. Augustine, uh, St. Augustine lived a long time ago, like in the three, four hundreds. He says that our hearts will forever wander until they find their rest in God. This is what sin had done. Sin had separated us from God. It drove us from God. And now, now we long to return. And we would always want to wander, always embracing the wrong thing, always pursuing the wrong thing until we found God. Our hearts will continue forever to wander until they find their rest in God. But it's not just in God. We also will find our true intimacy and fellowship with God, and we find our true intimacy according to God's word with one another in Christ Jesus as well. So now with that background, John is writing this letter. He's writing, now remember, this is one of the 12. Uh, this is one of Jesus' closest. Uh, I mean, Scripture tells us in the gospel he had 12, but there were three of the 12, Peter, James, and John. They got to see much what no one else did. They were the inside of the inside, all right? I mean, Jesus worked with 72. He worked with 5,000, 4,000. But these were the three, and John was one of them. And John, it's interesting, he would describe himself in the gospel of John as the disciple whom Jesus loved. I mean, come on. I mean, Jesus loved all his disciples, but here's this, this fellowship he would have. And John's the one that would be leaning uh, upon uh, his shoulder in the Last Supper. I mean, John and Jesus were tight. Uh, John would write the Gospel of John. He would also write three epistles, letters of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. And he'd also write that easily understood book of Revelation, right? So that, so that is John. But he's writing this letter. He says this, I'm writing this, I'm proclaiming this, so that you and I, we can have fellowship with God. This is so that fellowship with the Father through Christ the Son. We can have fellowship with God, and we can have fellowship with one another, so that John's joy may be complete. I got to tell you, what I just said was an overview of the Bible. If you want to know what the Bible is all about, it's God created us to know and love and walk with him. We messed up by sin. We were banished. We looked for everything else. But Jesus came to find us. And Jesus came to find us through his life, death, and resurrection. We now have fellowship again with the Father. We now can call one another brother and sister. We have fellowship with one another. This is the amazing good news of the gospel. Because God's desire was for us to have fellowship with him. And even though we messed it up with our sin, God wouldn't let us go. Here's the good news. He doesn't let us go. That's his grace. And he pursues us. And, and now John is telling us, hey, I want to tell you about this fellowship that we can have with God. But he's going to tell us, don't sin because sin interrupts our fellowship with God. It interrupts our walking with God. A lot of times we hear in church, don't sin. We think because God's angry and he's going to punish us. 
But how about looking at it this way? Don't sin because God loves you and he wants to walk with you and wants to have fellowship with you. So he's going to say, don't sin because you don't want to interrupt that fellowship with God. And I got to, even as we jump in, I got to tell you a little theological nugget to help you understand this. If you are a Christian, if you've given your life to Christ as Lord and Savior, uh, you've been made new and you have fellowship with God and God's word says, watch this, you can never lose that fellowship. Not because of what we do, it's all God's grace that he'll never let us go that God never loses one of his sheep, right? If we could lose our salvation, that's a works righteousness salvation. So sin does affect the Christian as well. It affects our fellowship with God, more like it affects our communion with God. Our union with God in Christ Jesus, it will never be broken. He who began the good work in us will complete it in Christ Jesus, right? What can separate us from the love of God? Can death, can life, can anything? Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Once God has his grip on us in Christ Jesus, he's not letting go. But sin has a way of messing up our walk. I mean, sin has a way of, of clogging up the pipeline, so to speak. It, it clogs up that fellowship. It's disrupted. It's clouded. And just like Adam, what did Adam do when he sinned? He hid. What do we do when we sin from God? We hide from him. We don't want him to see him. We don't want him to see our, our searches on the computer. We don't want to see um, let him see what we're doing. That breaks fellowship with God. So therefore, uh, John tells us uh, not to sin, to walk in the light. But the incredible good news for us is if we do sin, Jesus provides a solution. It's so amazing. Uh, he is the one who can justify us and set us free. So with this reality, don't sin. Don't hate your brother because that affects your fellowship with one another. Sin affects your relationship with God and your brother. Don't hate him and don't love the world because that will affect your fellowship with God and another as well. Because the gospel of Christ has restored our fellowship with God, we should be walking with God. Three things. Do not sin, do not hate your brother, and do not love the world. I don't know if I've had a longer introduction to, his, uh, to the text before that, but let's look to God's word in 1 John, just like last week. I want to start with 1 John chapter 5. Verse 19, one, one verse that kind of describes who we are and what's around us. And then we'll go to chapter 2 uh, and look at chapter 2. 1 John, hear the word of the Lord. 1 John 5, verse 19. We know that we are from God, by God's grace. And the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Think of a contrast. We are in and of God, the world, man, in enmity with God. And here in the midst of that, he will write 1 John 2. Uh, I'm going to read 1 through 17. John writes, through the power of the Holy Spirit, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation, probably a word you don't use much. We'll unpack that. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we know that we are in him. 
Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. And at the same time, it's a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother, he's still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his namesake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you've overcome the evil one. I'm writing to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world or the things in this world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes, um, And pride of life is not from the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Thanks. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, may the words of my mouth and may the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. O God, come be with us through the preaching of your word. Come and be the teacher speaking through a broken sinner like me. Come and receive glory and give us great challenge, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. It's a beautiful thing about this this story and the Bible story in totality is this. Because of the good news of what Christ Jesus has done, We have been restored. Our fellowship with God has been restored. And now we should be walking with God. I mean, the reality is we should have intimacy with God. We we should know and love him and know and love the things that he loves. Because of the amazing grace of God, seen through the work of Christ, for us to have fellowship with him, remember it cost him his son's life, right? He had to to die on the cross, shed his blood, and, and, and conquer death for this fellowship to be restored, and he was willing to pay it and willing to do it. And now he says, because of the reality, because of who we are in Christ, do not sin. Why? Because sin disables our walk with God. It disables it. It clogs it up. As Christians, we know that we're not to sin because God keeps telling us not to sin. But how many of us realize this? God tells us not to sin. Why? Because he longs to walk with us. He longs to draw us near. He longs us to have fellowship with him because he knows this reality. We are happiest when we are closest to him. We find the greatest joy when we find our joy in him. He's not a cosmic killjoy trying to keep us from good stuff. He's telling us, hey, don't sin because it's going to interrupt our relationship and it's going to keep you from what I have for you. Um, It's going to keep you from that fellowship and that blessing. Sin always messes up our walk with God. If it goes unconfessed, the farther we go, the harder our heart gets, um, and it bears bad fruit. So do not sin. 
But I love this. It says, but if we do sin, and let me make sure that everyone knows you will sin. This pastor sins. I mean, daily. I wish it wasn't true. But if God's commandment is to love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and my neighbor as myself, I haven't done that once. And I'd long to, right? I mean, we all fall short. We all sin. Scripture says that. We're all sinners falling short of God's glory. Even for those of us redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, even those filled with the Spirit, we're still knuckleheads, right? First time said this tonight. We're still, we're still prone to sin in thought, word, and deed daily. If someone tells you, hey, I haven't sinned, say, you're sinning right now, you arrogant one, right? I mean, really, that's all of us. So scriptures say, don't sin, but if you do sin, by the way, we all will sin, um, we have good news. So hear God's word. This is how gracious God is. Do it this way, but you're going to mess up, and I'm going to provide for you. So if we do sin, we have an advocate, it says, with the Father. I, I love that fact. Uh, we have an advocate. This Greek word is paraclete. It's one who's called alongside. It's interesting. It's used by John in the Gospel of John to describe the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the one who comes alongside. And in the Gospel of John, it says the Holy Spirit will testify about Jesus. He truly is the Messiah. He truly is God's Son. That was his job. But here we see in the letter of John, the paraclete, uh, that Jesus is the one that comes alongside, that he comes alongside us. This advocate, it gives us the, the thought of a courtroom. It gives us a thought of a courtroom, and now we think of the ultimate courtroom before the Heavenly Father, right? And we have one who stands on our behalf as the one accused, and he speaks for us. How good news is that? I mean, so we have Jesus who will speak for us to the Father, say, Jesus will say, Father, these are the ones that you gave me? These are the ones I laid my life down for? Yes, they did sin. Let's remember the cross. He'll never forget. Let's remember the resurrection. Let's remember the uh, price that was paid. Let's remember their sins have been separated as far as the east is from the west. Believer, how amazing good news that we have an advocate in Jesus. One who's right now who is in the right hand of the Father, who lives to intercede for us, which means he lives to plead for us. What good news. Who is this one? Jesus the righteous. Every time John uses the word righteous, it's talking about behavior. We know that he is the just one, the perfect sinless one, but it's really saying here he's the one who always does right. So you and I, we mess up, but you know what? We got one who's before the Father who always does right and one who is always calling our name to the Father. He is righteous, and he speaks for us. I've been intrigued lately to see that Morgan & Morgan um, have had signs out, um, and their signs look like they have been doctored. Uh, it looks like some people have spray-painted over their signs uh, and have written things. Uh, I've come to realize, guess what? They did it themselves. Yeah. They did it themselves. They're the same sign. You go down 436, headed to the airport, and you'll see uh, this, this, uh, a sign that looks like it's spray painted, and it says, Call Saul. Now, some of you know what Call Saul means because you've watched Breaking Bad and maybe the prequel to that of Saul the attorney, who wasn't a very righteous guy. If you get in trouble, call Saul. And so here they are saying, Well, here's this good lawyer 
who's really going to defend you, but he's a little bit like Saul. And you go, if you look at what that show means, it's kind of like, he's slimy. You know, and who, who is the one who says, this is where I want you, you want somebody to stand up for you in court? Call Morgan and Morgan. The most biggest, because size matters. You want somebody to stand up for you in the heavenly court? Call Jesus. Because Saul is a knucklehead. And you know what? Anybody else who could stand before you is a sinner. And you want one who's righteous. You want one who can defend you, the Father. And that is who Jesus is. When you sin, confess your sin and run to Jesus. Because in Christ we have an advocate. And he is Christ the righteous. And then it says he, Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. All right? I never do this, but let's try it. Can you say propitiation? It's an interesting name. It is, so if the first thing says we have an advocate, it pictures Jesus in the courtroom. When it says we have a propitiation, it pictures Jesus as priest in the temple. And what does a priest do? A priest offers sacrifice for sins. This is what Jesus does. But the incredible thing about the gospel, hear this, he is not only the righteous high priest who offers sin, uh, an offering for sin, he is the offering for sin. I mean, he's also the high priest, and he's also the spotless lamb of God, right? So what does a propitiation for sin do? Well, it covers our sins. It covers them. It's one thing. It pays for our sin. But this word propitiation, really, it meant more for the Greeks this way. They thought the gods were angry. How do we appease the gods? How do we get them to be stop being angry with us? One of the uh, Roman, uh, it says, in, I think it was a Greek general, they're going into a big battle, and they said, hey, let's, let's bring my daughter. Bring my daughter so she can be sacrificed, because we've got to appease the gods. What kind of God would ask that? I mean, that's, that's what they thought. We've got to appease them. They're angry with us. We're messed up. So this propitiation is, is the fact that, that it's not only covering our sins, it's taking away God's anger for our sins. He's a holy God, right? God is light. So 1 John 4.10 says it this way, a little bit later in the, in the book. It, and this is love. Not that we've loved God. Remember, he initiates. But he loved us, and he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now, listen. If you haven't listened to anything else, you've got to listen to this, because this is unbelievable. You know what this is saying? This is saying that God appeases his own wrath by sending his own son to be the propitiation for sin. He's not asking us to try to make him feel better. He's not trying to say, you appease your sins so God is no longer angry with you. He says, you know what? I love you so much. I'm going to send my son so that through him my wrath will be appeased. You know how good news this is? All that God requires of us, God has provided for us. He wants you to have fellowship with him. He wants you to walk with him. He provided you an advocate, a savior named Jesus. And to cover your sins, his son shed his blood. And he robes you with righteousness. And that wrath has been, listen, that the, 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 the wrath of a holy God for sins, he drank to the dregs that cup so that we could be blessed. You know the gospel? You know how good news that is? So because of that, keep his commandments. Because we are forgiven, because we are his beloved children, 
we keep his commandments, not to become his beloved children. People get this messed up all the time. They think religion, I got to do better. I got to be more moral so that God loves me. No, no, the story is because God loves me, he's provided a savior for me and he's filled me, he's made me new. And because of that, I want to honor him. So we don't keep our, the commandments of God or the word of God so we could please God. It's because God has found favor in us through Christ that we want to be faithful and please him and keep his commandments. We do it because we're loved. We never do it because we want to be loved. That's where the world misses the good news of the gospel. We want to honor him because of who he is and because of what he has done. Keep his words. Walk like Jesus walked, it says. Walk in the light. 1 John 1, 7, we read this last week. But if we walk in the light as he is in light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus has cleansed us from all sin. We also read last week, God is light. We are to walk in that holiness, in that light. Walk in the light. Walk as Jesus walked. How was that? You know, I want you to know, every time I do a, a, a King's Kids talk, I think of you. Let me just confess it. Because I think there's probably a nugget in my sermon that I want them to understand. And you know what I want you to understand? When I ask them, how do you walk like Jesus? What does that look like? I mean, that was kind of a plain, because he's going to say, like, walk in the light. Walk like I walked. And how do we do it? We live like he lived. We, We need to reflect that. Remember, not to earn the Father's favor, but because we have it. All right, let's move on. Uh, do not sin, do not hate your brother. Isn't it interesting the gospel is not just concerned with our vertical relationship with God? Isn't it amazing that God also is concerned with our relationship with one another? Why? Because when God made us in, our, in his image, watch this, God made us for one another. Well, how do you say that, Jeff? Well, God is triune. He always has always existed, will never not exist as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Even before he created, he had community. So in his image, he makes us for a relationship with him, and he makes us for a relationship with one another. And it's important to him. John keeps on saying, almost puts it in the first position, this good news of the gospel so you can have fellowship with one another, certainly with God. Ah, some of you are introverts, okay? Some of you think I just want to live life. It's a lot less messy doing it on my own. I understand. Some of you say, you know, hey, all I need is Jesus, my Bible, and I'm fine. Uh, listen, God made you for community. He's made you for himself. He's made you so we could carry each other's burdens, so we can know each other's story, so we could love one another, even, even with the brokenness and the foibles of our, our lives, that we could love one another in Christ Jesus. So we can't be hating our brother, because that's darkness. That's walking in darkness. I mean, Scripture is going to say, listen, you can't do this. You can't say, I'm in the light, and I love God, but I hate him. Scripture's going to say, how can you love God who you cannot see because you hate man who you can? And that doesn't make sense. And again, I know that some people are easier to love than others. Isn't it true? If you don't know that, you might be that person who's not as easy to love. Might happen. But we are not to walk in the darkness. So it's really interesting. Don't hate your brother. And then... And then <laughs> Typical John. John's confusing. I don't give you a new commandment. I got an old commandment that you heard from in the beginning. You love one another. And by the way, I give you a new commandment. John, which one is it? You know, did you read that? It says, it's not new, but it's new. Try that with selling a used car. 
It's not new, but it's new. It's not new, but it's new. What? Well, listen, from the beginning, God says love. Way back in the Deuteronomy 6, he's like, love the Lord your God with all you got and your neighbors yourself. That's, that's been there. What's new? Gospel of John, the upper room, his disciples before he dies. John 13, 34. Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you. Love one another as I have loved you. All of a sudden, there's a new focus because there's a new sheriff in town. There's a new way to love. And this love is sacrificial. This love lays down its life for its friends. This love gives. This is agape love. And this, this is bringing new meaning to loving one another. We can't be hating our brothers. We've got to love one another. Because God is light. We can't walk in darkness. We, we walk in darkness. We can't walk with God. We hate our brother. We can't be walking with God. But I love what he says. The darkness is passing away, and the true light is shining. Let me hit pause. I know for all of us, we feel it's so dark. We feel like, can we ever get anything back? Is it, how bad is it? But this is what it says. God is light. The gospel of John will tell us that Jesus is the light and life of men. And it says, the light came to shine in the darkness. And watch this, the darkness did not overcome it. The light of Christ wins. The darkness will pass away. Now walk in that light. Walk in the light of Christ. Jesus came, and, and here's what he said. He says, listen, I'm the light of the world. Follow me. And at the, at the end of his message, he's going to tell an earthly message, by the way, you're the light of the world. Because in Christ Jesus, we reflect that light. In Christ Jesus, we are to be the light of Christ around us. Don't walk in darkness. Walk in light. Reflecting his light. Do not love the world. You can't love the world and love the Father. Oh, man. I don't know about you, but I often have one foot in the world and one foot with the Christianity. A lot about the world I love. Good stuff. Um, recovering, and I don't know how much I'm recovering. Materialist. Love comfort. Love ease. Love fun things. Good food. Tasty wine. Love it all. But the problem is, where is my ultimate heart affection? Is it with God or is it with this world? He says in verse 16, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life, it's not from the Father, it's from the world. And if you're walking after the world, you cannot be walking with Jesus. And I love how it says, the darkness is passing away and the world is passing away. Walk with God. Today, tomorrow, and forever. Walk with God. At four, I went a-walking with Barney. Honestly, I don't remember the story. It's a story I tell that has been told to me over and over and over again. Why did I walk with my dog, Barney? Ah, for the adventure and for the joy. Can't you picture it? Why should you walk with God? For the adventure and joy. Are you kidding me? Walk with the creator, redeemer of the world for the joy of getting to know and love him, to know that he loves us and he gives to us and to have him use us to advance his kingdom. Walk with God. Do you think there's a better walk in this world? Are you crazy? How is it with you? First and foremost, do you have fellowship with God? It's offered to you in the good news of the gospel. It's offered to you not by what you do, but because of what Christ has done. We can have restored fellowship with holy God because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Do you know that joy? And are you walking with God? 
Are you still walking one foot in the world, one foot over here, a little toe in? Walk with God. It's the greatest walk ever. The happiest you can be. The most joyful you can be. It won't always be easy. There's going to be trials. There's going to be persecution. But you want to find life and life abundantly? Walk with Jesus. Amen? Pray. Now, Father God, we thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ that restores the fellowship that you have created us for with you. We thank you for Jesus' life, death, and resurrection that not only has restored that fellowship that we could walk with you, but it's also transformed our fellowship with one another, that we should love one another, have fellowship with one another. And the happiest that we will be is when we walk with you and we walk together for you. Oh God, I pray for King's Chapel that we would be a faithful witness that we would be a place that loves the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and strive to do that and loves our neighbor as ourself for the glory of our great God, for the good of our neighbor. Oh God, may we be faithful and true. For us to walk with you, Father, it cost you your son's life. And you've given us the Holy Spirit to empower us. We have Jesus who's an advocate who when we do mess up, who stands at your present, defends us. Oh God, may this church, may, may we, each one of us, be faithful and true to walk with you. God, I pray for anyone who's yet to know the fellowship of God in Christ Jesus, that today would be the day that they would confess their sins, embrace the amazing gift of salvation of Lord Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We thank you that we can have that joy, that fellowship restored today, tomorrow, and forever. May we walk with you in a way that pleases you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.